Welcome to The Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. Coming to you straight, live, not really live, live to tape, from my back porch in Connecticut, trying to bring you some stories and interviews during this very strange time. In this new segment we're calling What Are You Doing? Mm -hmm. Which is literally where we just call up people to find out how they're remaining creatively vibrant and, and productive during the shutdown. Uh, and I was, you know, Brandon, I was on social media the other night and I saw a tweet from my friend Ryan Robbins. Did you ever meet Ryan when you were up there visiting us for Hill on Wheels? Mm, Ryan? Yeah, Ryan, he, he played Hawkins in season two. He was the leader of the, the former Confederate soldiers who were robbing the trains. Mm -hmm. He's an incredible actor, and you know me well enough at this point to know that I just don't hand out that compliment that often. Uh, truly talented. He's the lead in this Hulu show called Pure, um, which is about, believe it or not, Mennonite drug dealers. <laughs> Very prolific actor. Still lives in Canada. He's in Squamish. Anyways, he posted a tweet uh, announcing that he was COVID-19 positive. And I reached out to him because uh, I thought it would be important for people to hear from him what this sickness is really like. Uh, and to his credit, once he started mending, uh, he gave me a call. How you feeling, man? You know what? I got to tell you, man, today's the best day I've had in a while. I don't know if maybe it's just I'm uh, excited to talk to you or, or, uh, or what, but... Uh, Good day so far. Uh, uh, refreshing day. Yeah, but you were telling me that it's it's worse at night, right? Nights are tough. Nights are tough. Yeah, you get uh, uh, really sweaty. Um, these things, I don't know if you've heard, they, these things called rigors. Um, they get these shakes that are uh, pretty can get pretty violent. Um, but uh, last night, I got some sleep which was amazing. Um, I had a, had, a, had a bit of a start to the night, but then uh, it wasn't bad, man, and today's okay. It's a tricky thing. Like People will tell you it, uh, it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security and then it just kind of shows up. It's like, ah, just kidding. Yeah, I was uh, talking to some friends last night, and uh, they were telling me about how Chris Cuomo has it and has been reporting into CNN. And his description sounded exactly like the ones you'd texted me. And uh, the, the tremors, he actually, he was tremoring so bad that he chipped a tooth. Yeah, I, I, I can see it, man. Like, it's like nothing I've ever experienced, you know. Um, for me, I, I get bronchitis all the time. If I get a cold, it, it always goes to my chest and I always end up with a, a bit of a respiratory problem. So I, I got hit a little bit hard from it because of that i'm sort of the, the the perfect target for this thing um fortunately my wife and daughter who have milder symptoms um they're not so bad so um it, it everything i hear it, it it hits everybody differently you know um i've seen a few of chris cuomo's uh, interviews you know from home and uh, and when you have it it's interesting you can sort of recognize the the signs like can hear it in the way he talks and sometimes you got to take a breath like halfway through a sentence and um yeah it's interesting yeah it doesn't sound like uh the normal what would be considered flu it sounds much worse yeah oh yeah 
yeah, it's, it's worse. Like uh, my worst night was when it just, uh, stopped me from breathing. Um, Oh, seriously. Yeah. Like I was breathing, but it was sort of like these really shallow, like, like that. And, uh, and I, I was for some reason, uh, quite calm. I had this sense that my breath would come back. Um, fortunately my wife isn't a panicker and you know, she was, she had a phone in her head. She was about to call nine one. And I just sort of gave her a look, like just give, give it a minute. And, um, in hindsight, I, I should have gone in. Um, it wasn't fair to her to do that, but, uh, you know, we got through, um, she's been a rock through all this man. And, uh, you know, we, we got through that night and that was, that was the worst night, uh, um, since then just been up and down and, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, man. I think I can start to see the finish line here. I, I think it's important to mention that you were, um, presumed COVID-19 positive. Correct. And would you explain what that means? So I called in, um, uh, to an online doctor and, uh, they, uh, we talked about the symptoms and they said, you have, you have, uh, you have COVID-19. Uh, I'm sure of it. And I said, well, great. So can I get tested? And he said, unfortunately a test isn't available. Um, so I got a second and third opinion. And I also spoke to, uh, several healthcare, um, professionals, all of which were said, you know, look, we've seen enough of this now. You, you have it. If you can help us out by just staying home, we need to save these tests. Uh, there's a limited number of tests, at least where I am. And, uh, they need them for the healthcare workers and those who are, in hospital who, who need hospitalization, um, so that they know what they're treating. Uh, you had to imagine these healthcare workers, they're treating COVID patients, but they're still treating cancer patients and just regular hospital emergencies. Um, and they need to know that they're not, you know, uh, transferring this, this horrible thing. Um, so the, the, the downfall to that, the downside is, um, you know, I can't say definitively, even though I know I have it. We, they know I have it. Everybody knows I have it. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is they say once you've had it and you get over it, you're immune to it, um, which means I could be very helpful technically when I'm out, out the other side of this, but I can't prove it. Um, and that's what's kind of getting me the most is with the, you know, lack of testing is like if, I, if I'm immune to this and I can help. So I'm hopeful that, that there will be a test eventually to find out if you have it and where your antibodies are. And, um, you know, uh, cause I would like to, uh, I would like to be able to help, you know, having, having gone through this. Um, it's a, it's a crazy one. Yeah. When you, uh, went in and they told you, they believe that you have COVID-19 was, were you scared? Um, it was really surreal, man. I, March 18th, I had a sore throat and started coughing. But I was fine. I was still getting through it. I, I was working out. I was getting things done around the house. We were isolating. We'd been on holiday. Had been isolating since we got back pretty much um, on the 11th. And then we, we really locked it down when we got sick on the 18th. Um, and I didn't think much of it. And then around the 30th of March, I went downhill like fast. And uh, I just knew it's just i i knew it wasn't bronchitis it doesn't feel the same it just didn't bronchitis doesn't take my breath away like that my, you know i'm not this it's exhausting man like i wasn't so tired and um there's just so many other things you know uh these random sharp pains 
uh, that sort of come out of nowhere. Um, your back hurts and you get headaches like you wouldn't believe. And, uh, so I knew it was something different. And so I called and then we said, you know, yeah, you, you, you have it. <clears throat> I just, because it wouldn't test me, I wanted to get as many opinions as possible. I basically exhausted every, every option, uh, talked to everybody I could. And, and they all said, you know, we have no question that yeah, you absolutely have it. So uh, here we are. And didn't you say they also asked you to go on social media and, and talk about it? Yeah. In, um, what, what was it they were wanting you to say? Uh, you know, you and I go back a ways and, and uh, I'm a yeah, very uh, strictly private person. So I pro- broke my privacy barrier pretty hard there. And it's been a bit um, odd. <laughs> it's been a lot. Been a lot. And, and everybody's been super uh, uh, fantastic, amazing, and supportive. They, they basically were just saying, look, the, the, essentially, the closer it feels uh, to you, the more real uh, it becomes. And, uh, and this thing is, is very, very real, you know, and uh, I don't know anybody. I didn't at the time know anybody um, personally who was going through it. And uh, they, they were saying sort of that's sort of the, 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 the problem in a sense, because eventually we all will. And they just asked me if I would mind coming out with it and speaking about it to let people know that, you know, look, it happens to you can happen to anybody, you know, I'm a, I'm a healthy guy. And, and, uh, I live in a pretty small town and we were doing the things we were isolating. We were doing all the things, you know, like we were, we were uh, thought we were doing everything right. And, and here we are, you know, and meanwhile, I got my, my neighbors just having a street party last night, even, you know, like just all of them just congregating and I'm looking out the window, like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, it's hard because I think we're social animals and self-isolation can also be enormously depressing. Yeah, I am, uh, I guess what what you describe it, an an extroverted introvert. I um, I like my solitude, you know, like my my time alone. And I mean, you know, my wife and I were joking that we've been self-isolating since before it was cool, but um (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I do get that. Like, uh, our job is to be social. That's, that's what we do for a living. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to put my game face on and, and go out and be social. And I am a people person. I really, you know, I love people a lot. And th- this situation has been, it's been tough. And I, I get that it's tough on people, man. I really, I, I respect that. Um, my, my wish would be if everybody could just lock it down everybody just lock it down for honestly about 30 days, like a month. Um, I feel like we'd be in better shape. I'm, I'm this two weeks is not, and two weeks is not enough. Um, based on my current experience and this thing does linger, but you know, that's probably not reasonable and, uh, it's a tough ask. So we're just, you know, you gotta see this thing through one way or another. Speaking of sanity, um, have you been doing anything to keep yourself creative while we've been locked down? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I have been a little bit here and there. I, mean, I can bake a mean Irish soda bread. Who knew? Really? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Although, 
there goes the, the diet out the window. I've been uh, trying to get better at the ukulele. Um, been playing my guitar a ton. Um, and I have my five-year-old daughter to keep us occupied. A lot of tea parties. Uh, my 16-year-old, I, I miss dearly. This all went down when she was with her, her mother. So uh, that's been uh, probably the one of the harder things I've ever had to deal with is, uh, you know, having her that far away. So, but we talk every day and uh, play games online and yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's weird, man. It's such a strange, strange time, isn't it? Ukulele. Yeah. You, how long have you been playing the ukulele? <laughs> well, I see. Uh, how long have I had a ukulele versus how long I've been playing? I've had one for ages, but, um, I was in Hawaii not that long ago and, I kind of got re-obsessed with it, and uh, I met this guy, and, uh, and he's like, well, you play guitar? And I was like, yeah, he's like, so you can play ukulele? I was like, what do you mean? And he just showed me the simplest way to play the ukulele, and just this, like, obsession popped into my brain. And then, uh, and then you know, weeks later, quarantine happened, and I looked at my ukulele, and I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this thing out. Um, uh, it still it still frustrates me because I, 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 uh, I hate sucking at things. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I got time. So, Yeah, the time is now. You're, you're safely sequestered away. Nobody's going to hear how bad you suck at the ukulele. <laughs> My poor wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you can hear how he's even struggling uh, mm-hmm. through the laughter there. He's still uh, on the mend. People have to take this seriously. Because even if you're in a, a low-risk... First of all... There is no such thing as a low-risk group for the coronavirus. It is equally communicable, and there is no such thing as a low-risk group for developing COVID-19. There is a lower-risk lower group for res- it resulting in death. But everyone is equally susceptible to this. And as you've heard, just having the sickness is no walk in the park. You know, like you were saying tend to, this is a psychological phenomenon, we tend to not to believe things unless they happen to someone that we know. And um, even if you don't know, personally know, Ryan, it having an experience of sitting down and hearing someone who's going through it, I hope that it does something to mitigate this uh, frustrating and preposterous strain of paranoid thinking out there that this is still hype, that this yeah. is something that is being somehow blown out of proportion for whatever reason, and it is really aggravating. And but strangely, even though I'm aggravated by it, I somehow also kind of understand it too, because I understand that there's a um, sort of a psychological protection built in into some people, where they just don't want to believe that bad things are happening. They come up with a million other justifications and reasons for it, but they can't look straight at it and say, "Hey, this is." This is what they say it is. They would rather come up with some kind of alternative <laughs> explanation. Yeah. So listen to Ryan. It's real. It kind of worried me a little bit because uh, he was talking about having how his how every cold he's ever had becomes bronchitis. I'm the same way. I've, I'm I feel totally safe. I've been so quarantined and isolated and stuff. But it's, it's a reminder. It reminds me like, oh man, I could be one of those people that if I got it would be hit. I used to get bronchitis two or three times a year, and it lasted like six to eight weeks. It was—I can't imagine 
a more intense version of that, that which I've already gone through many, many times. And I think it's also important to mention, you know, last night we celebrated your birthday, which was a great time. Yeah. And uh, it occurred to me at that point that, you know, you and I might never get this opportunity to have this much downtime and an excuse to really enjoy each other's company so Mm -hmm. much so consistently um i think it's important even though it can be depressing to some people um not being able to go to work or not being able to go and do the things you usually do but there it, it also affords a lot of opportunities to to buckle down and do the things you've wanted to do or not do the things that you always have to do you know it's a it's a unique moment yeah, I, and I understand that a lot of people, most people, are not, aren't as lucky as we are. Um, so I always try to keep them in mind, the people that are, I mean, it hit this thing, as with everything bad that ever happens, it disproportionately hits poorer people and people with less resources much, much harder. Um, and I echo everything that you just said, uh, but also recognize that for people living paycheck to paycheck, this is so much more challenging and so much more anxious. And uh, I, it, it, I don't know. I, I still think even in that situation, good can come from it if you are some able, somehow able to control the fear, which is absolutely justifiable. But yeah. practicing the ability to sort of master that now is more important than ever for all kinds of reasons. So to, to keep yourself safe, keep everyone around you safe. And as you said, you know, do something else with this time because we're lucky enough, you know, to have, you know, this situation. And I'm, now I'm living with Anson now. <laughs> and, um, and in a way, it's it can be a sort of uh, perverse wish fulfillment you know we always complain that i never had time to do this i have to do this i have to go to this i can't i I never have time to do the thing well now we all have time to do the thing it's not for the reason that we all wish but what reason would that have been right we always imagine that someday in the future when i'll have time well now you have time it's the same thing with relationships and friends. You know, well, I'll get back to him later, and I'll do this later, and we'll schedule. I'll catch up with him sometime. I think we're all realizing this is making everyone a little more appreciative of how easy we had it, and that relationships have to be maintained. We're not, that's not the right way to put it. It'll have to be maintained. It's, like, it's not like a duty. <laughs> ah, crap, I have to go maintain that relationship. Not like that, but it was too easy before, and when things are too easy, sometimes we just don't engage. We just don't do it. Well, there's one other little piece of tape that I wanted to play from this interview because one of the things that I, I really love asking fellow actors is how did you get into the business? Because it usually comes with a great story and this is no exception. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to be a circus performer. What? Yeah, man. I know. I, I was 18 and, um, I I was uh, going through some. I was going down a, a dark road at home, and so I I worked a bunch of jobs and saved a bunch of money, sold all my stuff, and I went to Australia. And I was just going to go hang out in Australia for a year and figure my 
my stuff out. And I thought I had eleven hundred dollars, and in my mind, I was like, "We're good. This is a great." And it was, and then I found out at eighteen, eighteen is the legal drinking age in Australia. So you can imagine how how long that money lasted. Uh, So I needed a job working in a youth hostel, and these guys were like, "Oh, we work. We were working at this circus. Um, Should come to join the circus and make some money and travel around the country and see the sights that way." And I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay." So I packed up everything I had. I didn't have any money, and I threw my backpack on, and I hoofed it for like half a day, just walked to get to this place. I get to this place. I was like, hey, I'm here for the job of the circus. And they're like, nah, sorry, we got everybody we need. I was like, no, my friends said I could get a job here. And like, yeah, no, you can't work here. And they pointed, and there were all these uh, guys lined up on a log, and they were the day laborers that they had brought in. And I was so bummed, and I just went and I sat on this log, and this guy comes over, and he's like, uh, all right, who's here to work? And I just stood up and raised my hand. And he's like, right, come on, let's go to work. And my guy's like, no, 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 she just told him he, he can't have a job. He, what do you, no, he, we're, we're the workers. We're the guys. You're supposed to pick one of us. And he said, uh, I asked who was here to work, and he's the only one who stood up. So you guys all get to go home. And that's when it started. And then really quickly, it's an international circus, and this is where things get weird. Uh, <laughs> one, of the, okay. one of the clowns, uh, I... I don't want to, you know, accuse this, but he, he was a drinker. Anyway, he drove his caravan off the road, <laughs> flipped, <laughs> flipped it, and okay. ended up in the hospital. And they were supposed to do this appearance at a, at a school. And they said, um, ah, you have a foreign accent, because I was in Australia. Like, can we put some clown makeup on? I knew that's where this was going. And I said, yeah. So I entertained these kids, and, you know, having on a, you know, uh, a theater oriented school and and having the martial arts I, I those two together i had the movement and so i entertained these kids and they're like wow you're good we should train you up and get you in the ring and they, can you can you do blah can you do a backflip and i was like yeah obviously and uh, i couldn't and they're like what about can you walk on stilts i was like totally yeah no absolutely and they're like well let's see the backflip i was like you know what i i kind of got it might hurt my knee uh, but just give me a couple of days. Let me just heal up and we'll, we'll get, and I lied. I just lied my way. I told him I could do all these things. And then I went to my buddy, my friends, I'd become really good friends with the, the family, uh, the flying Tanitos. There go. And I became really good friends with them. And, and I was like, I need your help. They want to put me in the right. I don't know what to do. And they started training me in secret. And, uh, I learned all these routines and then, uh, and then I ended up, performing in a circus in Australia. I traveled the whole country for like a year. And then I had a contract. I was supposed to join um, the family in Spain and Italy. They were from Spain. I had to go home and get my wisdom teeth taken out. And this is pre-internet and and, uh, and all that. And uh, I lost them. And I lost. I just lost touch with them. And it wasn't meant to be. And it wasn't until years later when Facebook started up that we all found each other and sort of reunited. And I still talk to them all the time. Well, I say we're all the better for the fact that you lost the circus because otherwise you wouldn't have uh, had the career you do now. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I think so, too. I, this is what I've always wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get here. I, I took a very bizarre, circuitous route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I just tell your listeners uh, one thing about you as an actor that I've never told you that I admire very much? Oh, goodness. All right. It's, all right. I know you hate okay. this. I know you uh, hate this. Your attention to detail is one of the, th- and, and the fact that you love this craft so, so much. I haven't met very many people that love this craft as much as you have. I think like 
you, maybe like Vincent D'Onofrio, you know, like the way you love this craft is, is so inspiring, but your attention to detail in the scene, um, people talk about our shootout scene. All right. And that was like, I remember you saying that you wanted it to be, you know, time, like period correct. And coming up with that thing and the complications and us like working through it is one of the most amazing times in my career, man. It was an absolute blast. The other thing I want to tell you, uh, a very good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Todd Kearns, he's a plays in Slash's band. He's a rock legend. He wanted me to wish you happy first contact today. Oh. April 5th, 2063, is it? The Vulcans come to Earth. <laughs> That's fantastic. And meet humans. And he's like, tell him I said happy first contact day. So well, now that, that is a Trekkie. That is a, that is a nerdy, nerdy <laughs> holiday <laughs> he said to me he's like i am so nerdy i have no idea how i have a wife <laughs> so that's always a good way to end an episode is extraordinary compliments followed by a trek hello like that <laughs> that was basically it for the interview but you know i because i knew that ryan had been practicing ukulele with his downtime i asked him to play some ukulele for our outro for this episode but he decided he didn't want to do that because he's still learning. But he does play guitar quite beautifully. And despite um, what he's dealing with right now, and you can hear it in his voice, he somehow managed to still sing through it. And I thought it was a particularly beautiful moment. And here it is. David played And it pleased the Lord If you don't Really care for music Do you? Well it goes like this The fourth and fifth The minor fall The major lift The baffled king Composing Hallelujah the Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and me, Anson Mount. Theme music by Brandon, based on a composition by Jonathan Myberg. Special thanks to Ryan Robbins for taking the time to sit down with us. Have a great week, everyone. Long enough? That was great, man. Thank you. Yeah. You got it, man. All right. Take care of yourself, brother, and I'll talk to you soon, all right? Yeah, you too, brother. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Sure thing. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.